3: This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs.
4: And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we were joined by Matthew Side, weren't we? He's got a new book out.
3: He's brilliant, isn't he, Matthew? Yeah. He's always got an interesting take on life.
4: Thought-provoking stuff. Um, we also spoke to Ainsley Harriot
3: Yes, yeah. brilliant in his own way
4: Yeah, different, comp- very different <laughs> guest But uh, nonetheless very entertaining What was he like? Well, he was good, I thought <laughs> good. Uh, We talked about takeaways and Arsenal but Not necessarily in that order <laughs> And we had a bit of a chat about various things Oh,
3: various things
4: yes. Here it all is
5: <laughs>
4: Good afternoon everyone, good afternoon Andy Is that to hire or to buy? That's to hire, is it? I would imagine, yeah. They just sort of rent them for the stay. We'll we'll find out later on. Johnny Fordham's had a good look round. He's out there for the sun. Yeah, 130 quid, head to the hotel's pillow gallery and pick your tailor-made bedding. Oh, lovely. You can have <clears throat>
3: fibreglass balls or run-of-the-mill foam, whatever okay. you prefer. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll go run-of-the-mill foam. Okay, fair enough. And uh, well done to England. That's uh, probably their best session of the whole five matches. Oh, well, I know you don't agree, but I do, don't you think the Australians maybe just are a little... You know, no, I think they're incredibly motivated. They, they they've won, won the ashes, won a, though, and Andy. It doesn't matter. They have won a series here since 2001. When did they
4: last retain the Ashes here?
3: At the same time. Well, exactly. They've retained the Ashes in England. They've all been at points to say, you know, how much they care about You
4: can think that as much as you like, but when you're in a situation where you've got to be your most competitive... They don't want to lose this game. They don't want to lose it, but are they inspired enough and motivated
3: enough to win it? Probably, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Talking about extra bits, ninety percent of people polled so they'd happily become a cyborg. Did you see this? A sideboard. A cyborg. Oh, sorry, not a sideboard. It's <laughs> cyborg. <laughs> okay. Uh, part human, part robot. Oh yeah, yeah. Ninety percent. I know what they... a cyborg is. Yeah, they'd have cyber devices implanted to boost their abilities. And I was thinking, I could do with a couple of extra gigabytes of memory. You could. Don't <laughs> ask me. It'd be I'll fantastic. Be on that. Yeah. It'd be perfect. And um, best set of initials I've ever come across in the uh, Times. Uh, wedding announcements today. Yeah. This is incredible. Monsieur AGMGMGP LaMarche is marrying... Miss- wow. I know, from <clears throat> the pavilion end, it's AGMGMP LaMarche. A-G-M-G-M-P. Yeah, AGM GMGP. So that is one Mansfield 1, Northampton. A-G-M-G-M-G-P.
4: Okay, A-G-M-G-M-G-P. Okay, yeah. one, two, three, four, seven initials.
3: I oh, know, he's Antoine is his first name. Okay, you haven't got the rest of them there, not put the no, full name in. put the full name in. If you enough, have you not looked it up? It would have cost a fortune. Yeah, imagine that if he Actually, became a professional up. footballer. That's a good idea, Right really. on the back of your shirt. Yeah. Well done. And, uh, That's got to be a record, seven brilliant initials. Brilliant thing on uh, Roy Race, uh, Roy of the Rovers. Mm. It's his uh, 65th anniversary. And they've discovered, you knew this, I didn't know this, but in October 1977, uh, basically Roy discovers VAR. Uh, Melchester overstriker scored yet another goal. The referee and linesman discuss whether it was offside and uh, there's a giant screen in the stadium, which was pretty ahead of its time, even in 1977. So they all stand there looking at it and Roy makes them... Yeah, decide, you know, somebody and, uh, found it on. Uh, yeah. found it in an old comic and put it on social media a little while ago, and it did the rounds. Apparently, there was also a pompous fool called Davis Mellory who came up with a terrible handball idea <laughs> in the strip. Davis Mellory, <laughs> yeah, what a good name. Yeah,
4: I know. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> we're going to get the guys in from the news. They got Roy the Rovers is in the news because it's back. There's a new one, mm. and it's got one of Roy's younger relatives and stuff involved. Well, so it's, it's a nice idea, isn't it? It's Roy race for the for the new era.
3: That's good. Okay. We'll see if we can get him in. And, uh, and Pep, we, we call on the show, we call, uh, if you talk about yourself in the third party. Mm. So third person. Third person. Oh, if yeah. If you say, like, Andy Jacobs thinks this, that and the other, you, it sounds ridiculous. Well, Len- it's called a Lennox Lewis. Because it is. Lennox was brilliant. Lennox Lewis thinks that Lennox can win this fight, you know, and all this stuff. So Pep Guardiola is the latest person to, uh, to do mm. a Lennox, Lennox Guardiola. He's talking about the doctor that operated on... Um, Laporte. Laporte, yeah. And uh, saved his career. And uh, he says, uh, if Dr. Koo Hadn't appeared in my life, Pep Guardiola would have retired from play. Why don't you say I? Well, just say I would have retired from play. Th- that passage comes from his book. It
4: comes from his book. Yeah, and that's, uh, no, that's no
3: excuse. Is well, it? I don't
4: know if it's told in a sort of first person style. Is it? Is it? Is it? Well, it's a, quote it's a ghosted him. autobiography, isn't it?
3: Guardiola wrote, "If Doctor Cougar oh. hadn't appeared my, okay. in my life, all right. P- Pep Guardiola would have retired from play." Okay, fair enough. I suggest yes. just say I. All right, all right. It's then, better, okay. isn't it? Yes. Yeah, all right. Okay, I'm getting really upset about nothing. Well, there, I, mean, I like say. getting upset about nothing. I've got some of, bad news for Tim Vickery. Life. Bad yeah.
4: news. Uh, a new species of electric eel has been discovered in South America. It oh, yeah? produces 200 more volts than the previous heist. 860 volts. That's going to be a
3: bit of a shock for Nigel <laughs> Botherway and Fisherman's Blues when he,
4: when he goes to take it out of the net, won't it, really? <laughs> it it would shocker.
3: be. a <laughs> shocker, literally. <laughs> oh, I watched... Uh, Bob and uh, Paul Whitehouse's yeah. fishing programme. Gone fishing, think. yeah, good. Such one. It's my favourite programme. finished now. It was the second series. I know, but right? I'm, yeah. I'm working through the second series and honestly, if you haven't seen it, I, I just think it's the most lovely bit of television I've seen for a long time. Yeah. Doesn't it, it, it treats you with a bit of intelligence it's, it looks beautiful mm. it's, it's got a nice pace about it it's gentle and it's fun, it's really interesting as well it is, it's, it's, uh, it's, very, uh, it's an excellent uh, series and they'll be back to do more, who knows if you think I've got a problem about getting worked up about nothing, yeah. what about this bloke that wrote to the <laughs> Daily Star today why do ITV1 and GMB go through so much to promote Dame Joan Collins as being on at 8 Ten only to start their interview at eight twenty four. <laughs> Who cares?
4: Fifteen minutes of his <laughs> life he'll never get
3: back. Waiting for Joan Collins. Well, it was Piers Morgan going on about Fireman Sam, but so what? Yeah, poor TV. He says well, oh, fair enough.
4: It. Well, that, blimey, that is pushing it a bit, and that really? puts your um, Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. into perspective. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs uh, here on uh, Talk Sports. And I think sort of part of watching sport at home, uh, very much the fabric of that, Mm. is the Great British Takeaway. Oh, absolutely. Isn't it? No question. Now, uh, you may not be aware, but there is a glitzy event that takes place uh, every year. The Takeaway
3: Oscars. Kind of, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh, The British Takeaway Awards 2019. They're going to be celebrating the best takeaways across the country. Uh, Categories include Best Takeaway in Britain, Best delivery uh, driver in Britain, that's best good. takeaway chef in Britain, and oh. who better to guide us through <laughs> it uh, than Ainsley Harriet. Hi,
6: Ainsley. How hey, are you? good afternoon, boys. How you doing, Paul Andy? Well, yeah, yeah we're good. Thanks. Fantastic. Too, yeah. um, you gave that a lovely intro, and it's uh, isn't it amazing how life has changed and how many people do actually like a takeaway now? You oh know? yeah. I mean, it's uh, some of the
4: some of the findings are fantastic. We we love this one uh, in the research. Apparently, one in five people have cheered when there's a knock at the door <laughs> oh, and <no>! the
6: takeaway <laughs> arrived. Cheered. <laughs> uh, I, they're, they're the kind of people who've, who've gone onto the Just Eat app and they've followed it. They've followed the bike. always coming round the estate now. Oh, go, it's going around the roundabout. <laughs> what are you going that way for? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that must have been a bus stop. And they yeah. come back and they come in there. Oh, I think it's so wonderful, isn't it? That's and they true. say, yeah, take the plates out the oven now. They're here. Yeah.
4: Open the wine i mean it would it was just the staple wasn't it it was the the pizza the the
6: kebab or the Fish and, or, or the
4: fish and chips but I mean there's so much you can, you can practically get anything ordered now can't oh, you oh
6: absolutely um, as I say you know most of the apps that we go on to now that's our lifestyle it has changed uh, less and less are actually phoning up now it's almost like we're non-communative you know so yeah. it's, it's wonderful where we're able to talk but basically uh, yeah you could just go on to app you could order what you want and there's hundreds of varieties whether you're going for Japanese Caribbean Mexican Indian or your classic fish and chips it's all there and uh, quite often it's with or without you know, I don't like this, I don't like that. You can start stripping things out of your, of what you don't and don't like. You know, my son, often when he comes and plays a bit of five-a-side football on a, on a Wednesday night with his mates, he comes back and we have a burger. And he says, tell him, Dad, I don't want the onion, I don't want the pickle, I don't want this, but I want that and I want that. You know, and you can have that all now.
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. And it is a family treat, isn't it? I think that's, you know, because you can't do it every night. You wouldn't want takeaway every night. But no. I think, you know, to, to treat it like that, I think the kids love it, don't They love the pizza arriving as you, as you said. Although tracking. Andy you're talking about every night oh,
4: <laughs> one of the other things as well is uh, Christmas dinner. 12% of the people who responded <laughs> no. to this have their Christmas dinner as a takeaway. Know, I'm, I'm not you, entirely sure that's a good thing.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not, you're going to say that because you're a family man. The missus yeah. won't have it, you know, but I mean, the reality is a lot of people just can't be bothered to cook. Yeah. And you know, it's uh, the frustration. Sometimes they don't know how, but you know, what's interesting guys is what you order before. It was something very plain and ordinary because you didn't want to be too experimental, too extravagant. Uh, but now we kind of, we've upped the ante. We all know what a zoo is, you know, we'd, people talk about the reduction and you feel a little bit more comfortable and uh, yeah. and it's actually reflected of even when you go to restaurants now and to be able to uh, what what i like about this award is that you're actually able to say to people thank you thank you for cooking my food and uh, thank you for delivering my food and i love the uh, the last one for the first time ever this year, the takeaway lovers and uh, just eat fans alike can enter to become Britain's number one takeaway fan. All right, you know, so you can you can either <laughs> vote for your mate or you can vote for yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? And guess what? You can win. As I said, you can win all these wonderful things. You can you can win free food for a year every month, and then you can whatever you restaurant uh, or takeaway you've nominated, you can actually go to that destination for a holiday. But, and I think it'd be great if it's Vietnam or Marrakesh, but can you imagine well, I mean, if it's Skeggy or something like
4: yeah. that? Yeah.
3: Is, is the awards due a dinner or is it a takeaway? Well, I just wondered if
6: like,
4: <laughs> somebody, a bloke, rocks up, rather you're getting your kind of chicken in a sauce, they say, uh, Who ordered this? Who ordered that? So <laughs> yeah. you'll get your individual meals. And the best delivery driver. If he's going to be five minutes late, isn't he? They're going to say, and the winner is Brian from Luton. Oh, sorry, he's got caught in the one-way system. (laughs)
6: It'll be be about five minutes. Yes, yes, He's not quite here yet. He's not quite here. Fantastic.
4: Good stuff. Now, did enjoy your your Caribbean series uh, recently. Oh, thanks very very much. Very good. I I went to Grenada earlier this year, and Mm. one of the places you featured was uh, a kind of expat a lad called Brian who owns BB's Craback. Oh, he yeah. he is quite a character, Brian, isn't he? he's the kind of manager slash host.
6: Yeah. He and always he f- looks out of it though, didn't he? Well
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think he I think he, he enjoys himself. He throws himself into the role a bit like Peter Langham used to do. He uh, yeah. throws himself into the Absolutely. role of host the night I was there. I had a good chat with him about football and cricket and stuff and uh no he was good That a good place. That, that looked like fun, didn't it? Cooking on the beach all around I, the carrier tough know, gig.
6: I know tell me about it walking <laughs> on you know a bit of sand between your Toes, that's what you want in the middle yeah. of uh, of January, didn't you? But it was, a, you know, Grenada, what a fantastic place. A lot of expats out there too, yeah. uh, Paul. I've got to say, a lot of expats out there. And they enjoy their life. You know, some people end up, they wanted to cruise around the Caribbean and they stop off in Grenada and they end up cruising. They sell their boat off and they just live there. They love the lifestyle and it is very relaxed. It's conducive to kind of, you know, reserving your life actually or preserving your life, if you like.
4: Yeah. So, uh, we we should talk a bit of Arsenal. Um, mm. How are you feeling about life? Things are looking up a bit, I think, from the last time we spoke. Mm. Mm.
6: I think so. I think, you know, uh, you know if, if you're an Arsenal fan and you see what he's done there, this is the first season where it's, you know, he can lay down... You know what he considers to be his best team, and uh, you know he's bringing those type of players in. He's let, I think, about 13 go. Half of them we don't even know their names because they're part of the kind of young academy and stuff like that. But he's very much stamping his authority on the club and saying this is the way we're going to play. And uh, if you if you look over the the years, the fact is, and, and Guardiola Guardiola came in, or well, there's Klopp that came into Liverpool, or indeed, um, you know, you guys at Spurs. You, you know what happens? You bring manager in you've got to give them two or three seasons Mm -hmm. just to you know put things in place if you like yeah. as long as it's going in the right direction it's easy to do that if it is like at
3: Arsenal you, you can see them giving Emery more time because he, he's showing signs but it's hard isn't it when if it's not going well in the end you, you have to get rid of the manager
6: I know isn't? but quite often uh, as, as you know Andy it's those teams down the bottom they bring people in and they haven't got a chance you know they're already struggling and some of them can turn it around and quite often they can only turn it around for a season and a half poor, poor Chris Uton's a typical example there isn't mm. he um, you know But you know, people want to play that kind of expansive football now. They all want to be, they they want to get the next Wolves manager, if you like, that comes in and just kind of one minute you, you know, you're in the championship next minute you're playing in the Europa League and all that type of stuff. It doesn't happen all the time. It's difficult and then as we saw what happened with Burnley you know it can affect your whole season and you could go down if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah.
4: That's true. What else are you up to at the moment Ainsley?
6: Um, well you know after mm. doing the, uh, the this this awards and uh, talking to people about it which I think is a fantastic opportunity I'll be off to the Mediterranean to make another series and uh, looking at different foods uh, and going to an interesting place. I want to go to Place like Jordan and Tel Aviv, as well as your, your Spain's and your Marrakesh's and places like that. Just to kind of, you know, have a look at different types of food and, uh, you know, some of those places I haven't been to before. So I'm going, it, going into it with fresh eyes and genuine excitement. So I'm looking forward to that.
4: Uh, Strictly's back, of course. It brings back memories of uh, your time. Oh, yeah, me hips hurt, me
6: toes hurt, everything hurt. <laughs> yeah, All yeah, those yeah, people yeah. go, Strictly, I just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I suppose we should ask you about Ready, Steady Cook. This How can you be... bring it back without
4: you? Yeah, it's, it's, we're not happy about this. Yeah, we're, oh, it's like bringing back Coronation Street without Ken Barlow. Oh,
6: I know it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's strange, isn't it? Everyone's been going on about it and the people arguing about it. My mate... Uh, of course, uh, Greg James, and the, he's been going on about it too. Do you know what, lads? it's such a brilliant format it yeah. is a great great format 20 minutes real cooking time we don't normally have programs like that on tv we always have something dissolves into something else you mm. see the ingredients and half an hour later it's all done and it's all fancy this is real cooking in real time and if Ryland does it well and he allows the chefs to express themselves then you know I think they're onto a win- winning formula there um, yeah I did it for a long time and I did it hopefully I did it well enough that people do remember it and I, I think that's what's happening now so so, you know, a bit of a reputation. Um, so he's got to live up to that, and I'm sure he will do. And uh, bring new chefs on because you know the world's changing, and we've got to, we've got to move with it.
4: Absolutely. Very Look, gracious. It's very gracious of you. Yeah. Um, Ainsley, always a pleasure. Uh, good luck with the awards. Yeah. I know you're one of the judges and uh, we
6: will catch up with you soon. Take yeah, care. and love to Chelsea and love to Spurs, boys. You King. don't mean oh, love don't to Spurs. Or Chelsea. <laughs> don't. You don't. Oh. You don't. Oh, you've got your fingers crossed. Oh, that
4: hurt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 take it easy. God bless. Cheers. See you later. later. Ainsley Harriet there. On the British takeaway wall, yeah, twelve percent of people Christmas dinner takeaway, uh, Valentine's Day yeah, thirty-three percent. That's sort different. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Well, that's not cooked. But it's not takeaway turkey
3: plus all the yeah. trimmings, is it, for Christmas dinner?
4: Luckily, in all the excitement, we're told ninety-three percent of us are able to keep our drinks from spilling over. But for four percent, it's too much for them. Uh, pull it. Like some people pull a muscle. Four percent get injured, running into the front door for their takeaway. <laughs> I mean, it's great, but take a long, hard look at yourselves, folks. Really,
3: what an injury that would be? Yeah,
4: imagine that phoning up, yeah. phoning up the gaffer. Anyway, uh, it's uh, Paul Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport, the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport.
6: The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport.
4: 108 for two, England at the moment. Uh, Stokes just out there after Burns went pretty cheaply, and Root is there on 37. But uh, joining us in the studio now, a man that uh, we first spoke to a, a kind of lifetime ago for him, before he was a journalist, before he was an author. He was still Britain's number one table tennis player. Uh, but Matthew Said, of course, since then, uh, written extensively uh, in the press and uh, a number of best selling books. And uh, his latest book, Rebel Ideas The Power of Diverse Thinking. He's out now. Uh, and he joins us
5: in the studio. Good to see it's you. It's great to be. You know how much I love this show. You're very kind man. You. and it's very very kind. really lovely to be with. You. Yeah,
3: it's uh, it does not well, we like that... your books. It's <laughs> just <laughs> a bit of a mutual. Yeah. But
4: um yeah, it was it does feel like a lifetime ago. So you were still a professional sportsman when we we first ever yeah, so spoke. You guys to
5: were just saying, weren't we? You started in 2001. Mm. I played my last Olympics in 2000, Commonwealth Games 2002. So I think I probably came on your show in 2001. Yeah. We talked about table tennis and you probably were asking, what will you do when you retire? I, was like, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> did, you have, did you have a kind of, did you know where it was I going? I kind of thought, you know, it's difficult. This is one of the interesting things about sport. You peak early in life. Mm. You're in your 20s and you reach the absolute zenith of your potential and mm. talent. And then if you retire at, say, the average age of a footballer retirement was, what, 32, 33? Same for table tennis. Then you have this entire lifetime. And it's a massive challenge to your identity because you start sport young. You build up this following, this, this sense of who you are as a table tennis player, as a footballer. You get a bit of acclaim. And then suddenly when you finish, it's not just that you lose the money. It's not just that you lose the thing that you were doing every day, but suddenly your identity disappears. I'm no longer a table tennis player. Mm. I'm no longer a footballer. Footballers, as you know, they have massive transition problems. Yeah, And I think I did struggle a bit emotionally, psychologically, because I was missing it so much. It was such a big part of who I was. Mm. But then eventually found uh, the Times There's a columnist uh, sports section, so that was an okay transition, then the book writing, and I've really enjoyed the journey. yeah, the latest book
4: is fascinating rebel mm. ideas. I mean we will we'll talk in a bit more detail, but kind of give us a, a kind of overview of, of of the book and what it's well, about.
5: I'll tell you one thing that made me think about writing this book was i don't know if you guys ever get invited to give talks at schools. I've done one at one of, one of my old color, schools, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Mm-hmm. So, so you get, you're get thinking, no, never, I never, never get, ever yeah, been invited. I never get invited <laughs> to do anything. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, <quite. laughs> I'll get my old school to send you an invite. You know, yeah, but, it's but, something about my personality. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <go> on. <laughs> but like, So I go in and take this A-level media studies class. And I went in and I said, look, why don't we do a practical thing? Let's pretend we're editors at The Times so and we're trying to decide what's going to be the front page story tomorrow, the splash, the photo caption... And I saw all these diverse individuals with probably great ideas, but nobody put their hand up. Mm. And I thought this is odd because I've come in. And it's like Dead Poets Society. I thought I was really <laughs> inspirational as a speaker, <laughs> and no one's put... And then I re- realized that the reason they hadn't put their hand up is they were worried about saying something that this external speaker, this guest, this VIP would say that's a terrible idea. Mm. And then I asked the teacher, "Maybe you could get the ball rolling." And she said, "No way. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to start." And I think. You can have diverse ideas that aren't expressed. And I think that young people who have the courage to say, I think this, they might get challenged, but then they can refine their opinion in the light of what they hear. I think that builds resilience. I think it builds creativity. And if we can create groups where people express what they think and they're sufficiently and in a meaningful way diverse, I think you get much yeah. better outcomes.
4: Well, the, the, you, the book is about diversity, not but just it, racial diversity. It's a different type of yeah, diversity. A kind of, yeah, a, you call it cognitive diversity. That is the key to it, isn't it? Well, I mean, I think, you,
5: I think diversity gets a bad name because mm. people think it's just a box-ticking exercise about race or gender or social class or sexual orientation. And yet, if you think about it, I'm mixed race. I'm half Pakistani, half Welsh. Unusual combination. yes. (laughs) But the fact that I'm half Pakistani, half Welsh, say I was somebody who was trying to help design an aircraft engine. My experience of being mixed race isn't going to help me, is it? Realise if I tweak the design of the engine in this way, is it going to make it more aerodynamically efficient? So hmm. I think you bring the wrong kind of divert... or take the BBC. You know they said we need to have we're too white we need people from different yes. racial gender and all. But if they came in, and they were also from upper middle class backgrounds with the same basic world view. Mm. They weren't really getting the kind of diversity that was going to help them with their mission. Yeah. So I think we need to think about diversity in a more sophisticated way. But yeah.
3: people, organisations do like having like minded people all working right. together. Right? It's isn't that it? there's that phrase,
4: isn't it? Birds of a feather flock together. Mm. You know, yeah. when you look when you look to employ, Are you, you tend about to em- the CIA. No? Yeah. yeah, you tend well, to employ people very similar to you from very similar backgrounds well, or with similar outlooks.
5: Exactly. And I think one of the reasons for this is we're attracted to people who think exactly the same as us because they reflect our opinions and our thoughts and our prejudices it makes us feel smarter it's validating but of course if there's a really difficult problem and you're surrounded by a group of people who think exactly the same way you're agreeing with each other you're probably becoming more confident about your perspective but it might be fundamentally wrong yeah and one of the things actually that that made me think about this book was joining a, a football committee it's called the Technical Advisory Board Mm -hmm. and it advises Gareth Southgate the men's coach Dan Ashworth who used to be the head of the women's and men's teams um, Phil Neville Martin Glenn the former chief executive about performance and I got to the meeting and there was alongside me Manoj Badal who is a high tech startup guy also owns one of the IPL teams Um, Tracy Giles who's one of the top people in training mental fortitude in the army Baroness Sue Campbell, is involved in all these different Olympic sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Stuart Lancaster, rugby coach. Yeah. Dave Brailsford, a cycling coach. And some of the press were saying, how on earth is this group of people going to help Gareth? They don't know as much about football as Tony Pulis. They don't know as much about football as Harry Redknapp. And I thought, actually, that's, that's true. Yeah. Pulis and Redknapp have forgotten more about football than I will ever know. Mm. But then I thought to myself... If Redknapp and Pulis had been advised in Southgate, they've been socialised into the basic assumptions of English football, a way of playing, tactics, nutrition, sports. They have the same basic worldview, So they'd just be mirroring each other, parroting. The, the the really eye-opening thing about being part of this group, I'm not saying it's a perfect group by any means, yeah. but it's been incredible that when Tracy Giles had a perspective on how to prepare for penalty shootouts based on the army preparing for... A particular attack in theatre and the mental toughness, and Hayder or Dave Brailsford on how big data sets can improve diet, uh, or Stuart Lancaster came up with something fascinating about preparation camps that Gareth Southgate took on board. You suddenly get this cross-pollination of ideas, and you get these amazing light bulb moments that would never happen if you had a group of experts who think in the same way. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Matthew Side is with us in the
4: studio. His latest book, Rebel Ideas, is out now, The Power of Diverse uh, Thinking. And we said, uh, Matthew, a very powerful uh, first chapter in the book. say timely because, of course, it was the anniversary of 9-11 yesterday. And what you're discussing uh, as a concept feeds into what happened on
5: uh, 9-11. Yeah, there's been a big debate in the intelligence community about why the CIA was unable to spot the al-Qaeda plot to destroy the twin towers and other key strategic targets and it's typically divided down the lines of those who think the cia just hired really stupid analysts on the one hand and those who say actually it's very difficult to detect plots before they materialize Mm. and what i think i've tried to do is look at the structure of the cia itself and it turns out that they are very bright individual analysts you know incredible rigor in the recruitment process but it was what we were talking about earlier. We tend to want to hang around with people who think in the same way as us and reflect our own views. And almost all of the analysts at the CIA were white, Protestant, male, West Coast, liberal arts graduates. Mm. And you can imagine, when you're trying to detect terrorist plots around the world, having lots of smart people who think in exactly the same way and have had the same experiences, you're going to be less likely to detect radicalization. Alienation and the other things that are precursors to these kinds of threats. And in the book, I look at the chronology of what was actually happening on the ground in Afghanistan and beyond, and what the CIA thought was happening. And there's this complete, extraordinary disconnect. Mm. And that was a really interesting chapter to write because I interviewed ex CIA veterans, senior analysts, and it's just a fascinating breakdown in collective intelligence yeah. at the, the what was supposed to be the world's foremost intelligence agency.
4: You also talk about uh, many good mm-hmm. bosses, successful bosses are those that are willing to be questioned and confronted right. by the people that work for them. But there's also a story in there... When it's quite rare that though, isn't it? It, it is, it is. It, is. it is. I mean, But there is a, a, a little piece about a, a, an incident with an aeroplane, which right. is a kind of, it feeds into, a, you know, the extreme opposite of that.
5: It was the exact opposite. This is a flight going from Denver to Portland in 1978. Coming down on final approach and the pilot pulls the lever to lower the landing gear. You know when you're in the cabin you hear it and then yeah. click into place. Mm. But on this occasion there's a loud bang. The plane Veers to the right, and a light that should have illuminated on the dashboard to show that the landing gear is down hasn't illuminated. They don't know if the wheels are down. So the pilot quite sensibly puts the plane into a holding pattern above suburban Portland as they try and troubleshoot the problem. So he sends the engineer into the cabin, and above the wings, two bolts shoot up on this model of aircraft when the wheels are down. Mm. The bolts are up. Great news. So they're like, yeah, oh, probably it's down, but, but you know, why? So they think, look, just to be double checked, we're going to phone the manufacturers. They phone the manufacturers. And they explain what's happened. The manufacturer says, "Yeah, we think the wheels are down, but we're not hundred percent sure." <laughs> it's not a and then, and then they're like, "Okay, well, the pilot now starts looking. Why hasn't the light gone?" And he starts looking at the wiring, or perhaps it's a faulty bulb. But as they're deliberating over this, the plane is still in the holding pattern, and another safety critical danger has come into play, which is the plane's running out of fuel. Mm-hmm. Now, the engineer knows the plane is running out of fuel because he can see it going down to zero on the dials right in front of him. He also has a big incentive to tell the pilot that the fuel is running out because otherwise he will die, Yes. right? And yet, back then in the 1970s, it was very hierarchical. The pilot was the big cheese, the person with the right stuff. The people in the cockpit had to call him sir. And in those circumstances, you know, humans have a very highly attuned state of psychology. If the engineer had said, we're running out of fuel, the implication would have been the pilot didn't already know that. And he didn't want to say that. He didn't want to challenge mm. the pilot directly because of this real hierarchical culture. Mm. And so we know from the voice, pic- the, the voice recorder that what the engineer said is, oh, we're kind of getting low on fuel here. And because the pilot's been insinuated to be the omniscient controller, he's hardly listening. And so he didn't give the pilot the information the pilot needed. Mm. The plane crashed on a totally clear day in suburban Portland into woodland. The engineer lost his life. Wow. And my argument is if you're going to have a team, a successful team, mm. people should be able to make a contribution. And bosses who surround themselves with yes men and just want to be told what... you know, People are just telling the boss what he wants to hear rather than what they truly think. The whole team... The brain shrinks to just the dimensions of the boss's brain.
3: Yeah, I mean, is there a danger of being too collected, though? Do you not? You can have a lot yeah, of voices. Yeah, there is. Yeah, you can have too many voices. Right. In the end, somebody has to make the
5: Dead decision. Right. I think that's really significant. And you've heard that uh, expression: a camel is a committee is a horse made by committee, <laughs> because you've got so many voices, it just ends up being absolute useless. So I don't think democracy works in many corporate institutions or many sports teams you need a decision maker mm. but the decision maker is going to make wiser judgments if that person he or she is listening mm. to the different people in the why have the team why have a leadership team why have people in that room if you're not going to listen so i think you're right andy you don't want to have you don't want to have pure democracy and co-leadership tends to break down because there's confusion over who's in charge but i think decision making's improved and it can be quick when you have that cognitive diversity. I mean, we talked
4: about a plane crash there and and nine eleven, but there's there's different aspects that you've touched on as well, even down to the kind of Gucci Prada battle and how one
5: won out over the other. Yeah. So this is something that's coming in a little bit now. You, the three of us, same kind of age. Mm-hmm. Fair to say, you and Ish. and he's a bit Ish. older, right? Ish, yeah, I think and he's about, about older ten years, than years older. Than how how yeah, can you yeah. tell? Yeah, when, you know, when, when, when I come in here and we start talking to each other, you know, we're talking about families and we're talking about kids mm, yeah. and we've got sort of similar worldviews because we grew up at the same time, same era. And what a lot of companies have done is they've given senior executive boards access to what they call shadow boards, which is a group of much younger people in the company who have a completely different perspective on digital technology and social networks and what their demographic is talking about mm, and mm. this made a huge difference to the success of of gucci because they were getting access to these ideas that they would otherwise not have had yeah. because all of us are a bit limited right mm. we all have horizons no, we, we all have, have blind have spots
3: show. The, the young guys in the meeting will say something you think oh, i hadn't thought of that at exactly. all yeah they exactly. have a completely different view a different yeah. take on on virtually everything
5: yeah. and that's why i think you know if you can find those people who might give you that bit of information that you would otherwise lack. You have a room of people who have those insights. What an incredible uplift you get in the ability to come up with good ideas for the show or to detect the terrorist plot or to land a plane safely. Yeah. Do you think then things are
4: things are changing, clearly? Are, are, mm. there, are there still lots of very big businesses that we would be surprised to think that have got closed minds I, still to this?
5: I think there is incredible lack. I think there's a lot of box ticking. People think they have diverse teams but who think in exactly the same way, who have been at a company for 25 years, they have the same assumptions and they're about to get really radically disrupted. So I think it is a problem. Look at senior leadership teams in, in the army or in the civil service, in government, in the law. It's incredibly homogenous. Mm. I, I mm. think that can be. I mean, the poll tax is a good example. You guys remember the poll tax? Yes, listeners we, yeah. a, I listeners think Andy remembers it. the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> what, 1380. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 the poll, so this was a, this was a, a policy that went disastrously wrong. Mm. And then you look at the people who came up with the policy. The head of the review team, which remember William Waldegrave. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. Waldegrave was the son of Viscount Teuton, lived in Tewton Lodge. And, you know, the first time his mother ever saw a black person on the grounds, thought that it was a terrorist, and got the garden strimmer to confront him, realised that this person had just helped William, had fallen off his bike. They were totally... De- William in Waldgrave in his book says, we never played with kids from the local school. Our neighbours were the, you know, the haberdashers, or the, the bishop at Bath and Wells. And yeah. They went on to, to holiday. And these, and then the, the, the environment secretaries during the poll tax were all private school educated, high fee paying, and then Oxbridge and then you wonder why they failed to understand that older people would struggle to find the cash to pay this tax. Nicholas Ridley said, oh, can't they sell a painting? It's like they make cake, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so amazing. Totally, it? it's totally amazing. detached. Yeah. And so, so that example, I think, is, is indicative of a, of a broader problem of highly homo- homogeneous groups who think in the same way and are missing the big picture. Yeah, good stuff. Well, it's fascinating Mm. stuff as always,
4: Matthew. So uh, we do recommend it. Out now in hardback. Yes. It's called uh, Rebel Ideas, The Power of Diverse Thinking by Matthew Side, And yeah, go out and get your uh, copy now.
3: Lovely to see you as lovely always. Lovely to be in.
4: Thank Thanks you, very guys. much for coming in. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast
6: from TalkSport.
3: The Arsenal dressing room, honestly, they, they are fantastic. Some of the stuff they come out with. Oh, yeah. This is Bernd Leno, the latest one. Mm. He's saying that uh, Arsenal are the biggest team in London. You can't compare the teams. Arsenal is the world club. The club here in London, not Chelsea, not Tottenham. Arsenal is the club here with fans around. You think, what are you talking about? A, that's not right. All three clubs are pretty big. And also, have a look at the trophy cabinet for the last 15 years, mate. But I mean, if you, if you, I'm not, I can't
4: join in on that conversation. But the.
3: uh, No
4: wonder they never win anything. If you are playing for a team, you know, you're you're there on international duty or whatever, you talk up your team, don't you? I mean, you know, it's just what you do. You don't talk them down, do you?
3: Well, I don't know. I've just realised my notes have. The way that, because we've got a new producer this week, I'll produce oh, yeah. on holiday. He prints my notes on both sides of the paper. So can you things. not
4: operate like that? Well, I can,
3: but I was thinking, where have <laughs> half my things gone? Well, a lot of the kids, are very green, you know. They, they go double-sided, they want to save trees. You don't, oh, for, you you don't
4: care, Annie. you chop them all down.
3: Wayne Rooney was in a karaoke bar, he and was, an yeah. onlooker who doesn't exist in any shape or form commented on the quality of his singing. Yeah, he said, said he was quite good. He said, yeah, he was far from the worst. Said this on that's high praise indeed. (laughs) Yes, it is, isn't it? Well, well done to him. You
4: see, Mike Riley, as the referee's boss, has been off Mm. to the Premier League today to have a chat about uh, how VAR's been going so so far. And um, the the feeling is they've made four mistakes this season. Only four mistakes uh, have been made. Uh, so far this season well, that's fair enough yeah. isn't it and the, 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 the Sebastian Allen one being one of the worst and I think that is mm. fair because it was very difficult I mean watching match of the day that night you're thinking oh come on that's a penalty oh, it was a really penalty. is a no, penalty absolutely and a penalty. you could not see any reason why you could, it looked like a penalty in real it was the real one that time. made them
3: think that the referee must go and re-examine it because I, think yeah. I can't remember who the ref was but if he'd gone and looked at it he would have thought oh no that is a penalty
4: other ones he said is uh, Tiedemann should have got a red for the tackle yeah, on Callum Wilson that. Yeah. Uh, apparently the, the reports are that uh, the penalty incidents involving David Silver's City against Bournemouth as we said the other one as well mm. that was a mistake um, and yeah so I mean they are, yeah. they are fronting well, up to quite like that. Up.
3: Yeah, they're fronting up and yeah no problem and,
4: and also there's, there's been some talk of a move to let the guys go and look at the monitors should they want to I think he's slightly loosened up on you the want to make sense
3: I'm glad the fact that they're flexible because there's nothing worse than sort of saying you're going to it's going to be this and then it can't change for another season yeah it's better if it's flexible they'll get it more right if they do that
4: Fabian Cher was the other one the one that hit mm. his hand because after what happened in the uh, the city game uh, mm. as well
3: against oh, yeah, Spurs that did very was, unfair that, that, that was, was a mistake, mistake definitely uh, do you want to point this poll from uh, Gala Bingo I don't know why <laughs> they brought this one out well it's paid off you just. Them a mention for now. Roast potatoes have been voted the favourite type of cooked spud to eat. (laughs) You can't say potatoes twice. No. Um, Chips came fourth, and you think, what about who came second or third? (laughs) But it was, in fact, mash came second. Mash came second. Yeah, jacket potato. Jacket potato to chips. I can't believe it. What poll would jacket potato come ahead of chips? (laughs)
4: 08717, double two, (laughs) double three, double five. And that's, I mean, I would have thought Honestly. uh, I would have gone. So, what was the winner, did you say? Winner roast potatoes. Winner roast potato. Second mash. Second mash. Third jacket potato. Jacket potato. Fourth. Fourth.
3: Not even on the podium. Is it Chips. a top
4: ten? I mean, aren't you struggling after that? Unless you're a bit posh. Dauphin was. Dauphin was was at number
3: eight. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so what
4: was like twenty
3: fifth? Pom de Jean yeah. Roger. Oh, yeah, you know your stuff. You
4: you're a bit of a Spud King, you are, aren't you? Now I, I wasn't aware of this. Uh, apparently, it was a story. I even looked it up, but to be honest, I couldn't find out anything mm. more about it, which made me a touch uh, sceptical. Mm. Um, people increasingly want people increasingly want comedy funerals say a company in Carlisle right. um, whose jobs have included It's, it's
3: not Gala Bingo
4: No, whose yeah. jobs have included coffins uh, yeah. and the flowers spelling out the word well, I, I can't say begins with B and ends with D, but that uh, it's, really? it's a swear word, yeah. But it, it that was that's <laughs> a, a League of Gentlemen gag. It was in yeah. a, it was in the League of Gentlemen oh, years yeah. ago, so it's a kind of copy of that. But um, I just it struck me, you know, you've got all these traveling shows. They do like the play that goes wrong, don't they? Have you seen mm. this or the murder mystery that goes wrong or the what's? It? Have you not seen them? They're in no, the no. West End all the time, Andy. I haven't seen that. They're, they are the what's gone wrong sort of franchise. Oh, really? You've oh. not seen those? No. But I, they're supposed I, to be very
3: entertaining. I live in a very closed way. I don't see
4: these Well, things. you don't see what's on in the West End. <laughs>
3: no. Okay.
4: Yeah. So, anyway, this. I suppose they could come in and do the funeral that went wrong. And, <laughs> okay. if, and if you were someone who liked to laugh, mm. and you thought the best way for your friends to, to kind of leave, the, the say, the church that day or wherever, mm. with a smile on their face, yeah. maybe because they dropped your coffin, or the vicar did got your name wrong. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? I think... So what? You know, if, if if you wanted everybody to remember you like that... Yeah, I don't see it as a bad thing, do well, you? Well, and it's not a bad thing. It's up no. to you, isn't it? It's okay. entirely So there we are. Decision. A little free idea for the uh, yeah. That Goes Wrong franchise. Funerals. I mean, I, I imagine
3: it's limited. I imagine it's limited. It's true. China's richest man, Jack Ma, has retired. Did you yeah. see that? I, I met him once. I had to ask him to stop staring at me. <laughs> Now, I knew that was coming that's a
4: song <laughs> from what That 1962 is it really it's, it's an it's, old
3: favourite though it's no it was Mr. Z- Mr. Zeitgeist did you see that story where a bloke discovered I'm always I'm not doubting the guy because I'm sure it's true but it would be a very easy thing to fake he basically claimed that he opened a packet of Wotsits and there was only one Watsit in there yeah I mean, what's the stop you say, I could say oh yeah I, I bought a Kit Kat and there was only biscuit in there and I, I could have spent the whole time shaving off the chocolate you've got a lot of time on your hair didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried shave, well, you the, get in the paper. You're you trying to love, shave the chocolate off well, of it's a Kit Kat. I don't.
4: You do not have the skills to do that. That's
3: all I'm saying. I can say to you. I bought a bag of, of revels. I, I, I love it. Exists. The fact he hasn't given
4: these any thought, they're going to get more ridiculous.
3: <laughs> you bought a bag of revels, and There's what was only in only it? One revel in
4: it. I okay. I say, well, you know which one?
3: I don't know. I've no bag of. Was Rebels it the toffee? <laughs> Is there a turkey sting? Like you probably had one
4: last time. You're in the West End watching a play. Yeah.
3: I don't know, I can't remember. So, uh, you could do it, Andy,
4: but I mean, <laughs> yeah. what, what's in it for you? What's in it for you, apart from a, well, uh, a
3: bit of press? I found one what's-it. So,
4: yeah. just a big bag of air with one whats in it, was that's, it? That's true, that's you what are. he said.
3: <laughs> I am. And, and talking of vegetables, as we were with the potato... Uh,
4: yeah, poll, okay. it seems like a lifetime ago.
3: Uh, good luck to Peter Glazebrook. Oh, yeah, uh, we'll be chatting to him. Yeah, he uh, he's the f- world record holder, or used to, he's been overtaken now. Has he really? For the heaviest onion. Yeah, he, he grows lots of giant veg. Yeah, it's Tomorrow does. in Harrogate, that's where it that's all right, kicks the off. Giant vegetable contest yeah. in
4: Harrogate, the home of giant veg. During an international week, it, we regard that as sport. But uh, now it's finished, we may struggle yeah, yeah, to get that's it in. True.
3: That would be difficult. That's a good point. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
4: There we are. That was this afternoon show. we return tomorrow. Martin Kellner will join us with a week of sport on TV. We'll have I've got a big night of rugby league tomorrow, we'll be reflecting that. And also the clips of the week. So till then, thanks for downloading us. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs
6: Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sports.